Folge von The Canadian Wants to Know. Ein Podcast für Englischlernende in Deutschland, der kraftvolle Geschichten und anregende Fragen nutzt, damit ihr auf unterhaltsame Weise eure Sprachkenntnisse verbessern, vertiefen und festigen könnt. Hier ist euer Host, The Canadian George Robledo. Hello, Edu, and welcome to my podcast. Hi, George. Thank you for inviting me and welcome to the Basque Country. Yeah, I've been here now for about four or five days and I want to move. I want to live here. This place <laughs> is so nice. The people have been very warm, very friendly. I know that my audience is German, so maybe it's not so nice to say that, but yeah, I feel very, very great here. <laughs> so thanks for the invitation hey, to be here. And today we're going to talk a little bit about your home, the Basque Country. I don't know if people have a lot of knowledge about it, but it's a very unique place here in Spain with its own language, culture, history. So let's let's start there. Let's talk a little bit about the history of your people and your region. Yeah, the thing is that we don't know that much about what happened here 2,000, 3,000 years ago because the, the Basque language is a language that was here even before the Indo-Europeans came from Asia. So all other languages like German, French, uh, even the Slavic language like Russian have... Like a, a the, common base. Yes, they are, they are of the same family. But Basque language is not. It was here before and nobody knows where it came from because we don't have any books, any even stones with letters that could tell us something about the the language. There are a lot of theories that came from Africa. There are theories that connected to the language in the Caucasus, like Armenian and Georgian. Even I, I have read some words in Georgian and Armenian that I, I can't understand. So it, there it, might be a connection there between might be the a Caucasus yeah. and the Basque country. Okay, There's one theory that uh, it was made by a German professor of uh, the University of Munich, I think. I don't remember well, but I studied this at school. So he says that there was a very big family of languages all across Europe, from here to the Caucasus, that had the same base. And that Basque language, or Euskera as we call it, is the last remaining of this big family of languages. So he's trying to look for names of rivers and places all across Europe and try to find the the Basque root of the of of the of their names. Does it have any connection with Hungarian or Finnish, or those would also be no, something different? So. I don't think so. Okay. No. And along the history, were you an independent country, or were you always connected with Spain? We weren't always connected with Spain, but of course, Spain has like five hundred years maximum since the kingdoms of Castilla and Aragon joined together. So before, we don't know. There were many tribes. When Julius Caesar uh, conquered uh, what today's France, he distinguished between the, the Celtic tribes and another tribes that he called Aquitanians in the south. And we think we come from these Aquitanians in the south of France and the north of Spain in the Pyrenees. Because before, we, we, we can see that in the, in the name of some places in the Pyrenees, even in what today's Catalonia, Andorra, Aragon, we have these Basque roots in, the, in, the, in names. the names of the places. So we think we come from there. But of course, that was 2,000 years ago. Then we had some kingdom here in, in, in Pamplona. That was the kingdom of Navarre. 
and at some moment it took all the places where Basque is spoken under the rule of one king of Navarre. And then the, the kingdom of Castilla conquered some parts, the kingdom of Aragon conquered some parts, and in the end, the kingdom of France also conquered some parts, and in the end we are now divided between Spain and France. Okay. But originally there was one kingdom, and then it was divided between these bigger nations, yes, these yes, bigger yes. kingdoms that took control. Was there tension? Did you guys fight back, or has it been a peaceful relationship with Spain? It depends. In the beginning, I mean, there was some fighting and there was some resistance and we had some castles that we defended and everything. But of course, there were some noble families that allied with Spain or with France. So, you know, everything is interesting <laughs> always. Of course, of course. And it was already so back then. <laughs> so then eventually you guys became a part of, of these bigger kingdoms. Yes, we became... Kingdoms. Uh, part of these bigger kingdoms, but we we always had some unique laws. We had an or our own tax system, and we remained like this peacefully until the after the French Revolution, that uh, Spain tried to take the example of France and make a unique country with one set of rules, one language, one religion, one everything. So then. Some uh, nationalist movements started here in the, at the end of the 19th century. And from there on, there has always been some kind of political tension that even became violent during the dictatorship and, and remained some terrorist violent groups until very recently, almost, I think it was five years ago, that everything that they stopped. Disbanded. They so disbanded five years yeah. ago. When was it like the last terrorist act that happened? I'm not in sure. Basque I think country? it was in the French part around 2009, okay. probably. Yeah, so that's still pretty recent. Yeah. 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 But today, is it much more peaceful or do you still see it like there's tension uh, between Spain and Basque country, similar to Catal Catalonia with Spain? I think that today things are much more relaxed here than in Catalonia, yeah. I mean, the, the, the nationalist movements have a lot of support and they have the majority in the, in the Basque parliament, but it's more a cultural thing. They just pushing for the language, for our traditions. But of course, there are some people that still want independence, but I would say that today it's a minority. And at as long as things remain peaceful with Spain and, you know, they let us live in our language and have our own cultural traditions, I don't think it's going to get worse. So in general, do you guys have a lot of autonomy in, in, your, in your region of the laws that you can... Yes, we have our own tax system again. We lost it like a hundred years ago, but after the dictatorship of Franco ended, we, we had it again. And yes, we have a lot of autonomy of the healthcare and education. A lot of things depend on the Basque government. And then, of course, we pay some money to the Spanish government for the things we have in common, like the army. Exactly. Military. Yes. And yeah. Uh, how about infrastructure? I imagine that's also quite localized. Big infrastructure projects. Big train systems. Yeah, those things are mm -hmm. usually like talks between the two governments. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it's cool. And historically, how did the people around here make money? How were they, how did they live? Well, in the last 2000 years that we know, we were farmers and fishermen, especially, I would say if there's something in the Basque country that may, had made us important in the world in some kind was fishing and knowing about the sea and everything. When the, when the Spanish went to America and the, most of the boats were built here in the Basque country, because for a lot of years we have gone all through, even to Iceland, to, to fish cod, to fish whales. Even I told George that uh, in, Arla, in Iceland, they had a law like 800 years ago, I don't know, maybe 1,000 years ago, where it was, it, they were able to, to kill Basques. I don't know why, maybe they, they got angry at some point because a lot of Basques were there to fish, but yeah, it was, it was allowed to, to, kill Basques. to kill Basques. You guys went so far. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's far away from here. <laughs> yes, and there was also the, the first dictionary that was made in, well, the first one was Icelandic to Latin, but then the second one was Icelandic to Basque because there was a, a good relationship, I guess, until <laughs> something happened and, <laughs> and they got angry with and you. They got angry with you. And they said, you. we can kill all the Basques yes. who come here. <laughs> Yeah, one really cool thing that I liked the first day that I got here is we went out into like different bars and cafes for pinchos. Can you tell us a little bit about the gastronomy and the culture around food here? Yes, I guess maybe it comes from this way of living of uh, agriculture and fishing that we have always give some good value to food. So the gastronomy here is very famous. And I would say every problem we had we resolve it around a table with food and wine and cider. Cider is very popular here also. And we had this tradition where in the in the bars they give you a small like a little this, snack. Yeah, a little snack. Uh -huh. But quite elaborated uh -huh. with exactly. fish and I don't know, you can find anything. Mushrooms mm -hmm. and uh meat. Everything in, in little snacks with something to drink, a little bit of beer, not like this one liter. Like Germans, big, they like the big, not big liter. beer, but you have just, just a, a couple of ships mm -hmm. of beer. And you, then you go to another bar and then you have another snack and another little beer. So you go like this for all the afternoon or the evening and you, have, you can have dinner like this. It's not so, so cheap nowadays because. It has become something quite touristic here in the city. But if you go to certain neighborhoods or certain, certain towns, you can find it quite cheaper. Yeah, yeah, and so I had a lot of fun. I think we went to three or four places. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Tell me about, I think you also showed me that there's like these associations where only men come together to eat. Yeah. That's really cool. It's yeah. Sociedades or something, right? Yeah, the yeah. Sociedades. Yeah, because of course, when, when people here had ships or were, or they went uh, fishing, the men went out and at home, it was the women who, who ruled the, 
the neighborhood, even sometimes the town. So the men had no power, and sometimes they needed a place to escape from their, <laughs> from their wives. From their wives. <laughs> so they started gathering in these sociedades where they could go and cook and stay together, uh, have some drinks and play some card games. So it started like this, and nowadays we have these places where in some of them, some very traditional ones, still women can't come in. But in most of them nowadays, it's just a normal place for friends, women, men. We don't care to to have some lunch, dinner together and ha just have fun. No, that's really cool. And you see them everywhere in the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a lot of them. Yeah, mm -hmm. That's really fun. What are some of your favorite places in the Basque country? But maybe we can start with your city, San Sebastián. Well, in my city, I think one of the best things to do if if you're lucky and the weather is good is to go to the beach because we have one of the most beautiful beaches in Spain in Saya Bay where it's the sea is quite uh, calm calm yeah because of course you have to think this is the Atlantic so sometimes the the sea gets quite mad but in this inside this bay the sea is always calm and you have you can have fun even with kids there of course, you have to be lucky with the weather because here storms are quite usual, but the, I would say the, the beach definitely. And then, of course, the old town with all the bars and you can always have fun there. And then in the province, you have a lot of little towns, especially in the coast, with uh, that they are traditionally fishermen towns. They are really beautiful. You can, if you like fish and seafood, you are going to enjoy it a lot. And then, of course, we have the mountains. You can, you can find very beautiful mountains with spectacular views because, of course, you can see the, the sea from the top of mountains that are 1,000 meters high. And I think the, if you ever come here, there is a mountain in the very center of our province that it's called Ernio. It is, it is a very easy mountain even to go with kids, and you can see the whole province from there from the sea to the mountains in in the other provinces. So I would highly recommend going there. And then you have, for example, the monastery of Aranzazu that is way up in the mountains, and it's a very, very beautiful place, very modern monastery. So for people that like modern architecture, and it's in the middle of nature, in the middle of rivers and, and mountains, I would highly recommend going there too. Yeah, well, hopefully you get lucky with the weather because when we went, I couldn't see anything. It was too cloudy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hopefully next time, hopefully next time we have better weather. As a tourist, if I want to come to the city, is it easy to communicate in English? Do people speak Spanish or is it only in Basque? What has been your experience? In the city, you can communicate in Spanish with everyone. If you go to the little towns, for example, my... My grandmother's brothers in the mountains, they can understand you in Spanish. I don't know if they are going to to answer you back so well. But yeah, probably you can more or less manage to, to understand. But of course, young people, they speak Spanish uh, everywhere. And even English, if you try to speak English with older people, uh, it's going to be more difficult. But young people nowadays, they, they learn that at school. And maybe you can't have uh, very difficult philosophical conversations in English with, with most of the people, but 
just to to get along to exactly. manage a little bit it's, where's the next yeah. bar yeah yeah how yeah. can i find the bathroom things like that if you're asking for bars they are going to understand you it doesn't matter in which, in which language even in chinese i think people here would help you help find you, the yeah. next bar cool cool <laughs> how about like is it expensive to visit san sebastian or for germans i don't think so it's more or less the same price as I have seen in Freiburg or even Berlin. So no, for people maybe from other places, like it's more expensive than the south of Spain. Here it's more expensive, but I would say it's cheaper than France, for example. So well, you can make yeah, an idea. Yeah, you can kind of compare there. But in general, also from my experience, I find very similar prices to what I see back in Germany. Yeah. So not too expensive, but yeah, don't go expecting that you'll find. Uh, prices that you find in the south of Spain, which no, would be no, different. No. Which kind of leads me to the next question about the weather. You kind of mentioned it, right? People saying, "Wow, Spain, sun, right, warm, hot." Is that That's the not same the case. here? It can be in summer sometimes, but usually we have a lot of rain, a lot of storms coming from the Atlantic. It's also not as bad as in the United Kingdom or Ireland, but yeah, there's. There's a good chance that if you come here for a week, you're going to have at least a couple of days of of rain. Sometimes even in, in summer, in the beginning of the summer, it's quite stormy. I usually recommend people to come in September, the beginning of October sometimes. But of course, don't kill me if you come here in September and it's raining the whole week because it can also happen. Yeah, <laughs> the day I, before I arrived... I looked on the weather forecast and I saw rain, rain, rain for seven days. But I think we've had two or three nice days. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, so who knows? Yeah, yeah, don't take for granted what the forecast says because here the weather is really crazy. And even if it says it's going to rain for seven days, you're probably, maybe it can rain for seven days. I have seen that. But probably you're going to have some windows of good weather. Yeah, no, yesterday was really nice after work, went out to the beach and it was sunny and everyone was out. So I just kind of felt like, oh man, if I can move anywhere, (laughs) we're going to San Sebastian. I remember when you and I, we met, I think it was like three and a half years ago in Freiburg. At that time you were doing a German course and you were thinking about maybe going to Germany. And now you've been here, you stayed here. What keeps you here? Why is it that you haven't left your hometown? Well, of course, as always, here, friends and family are very important. And I think the social life that we have here, where, of course, now it's different with, we didn't expect this coronavirus. (laughs) But before this, and I think that it's becoming again like this, uh, you go on, on Thursdays, you go to certain streets here to have these pinchos and these drinks. And the, the streets are completely full with students and older people and everyone is on the streets. There's a good mood. Good, I don't know. I think that it's something I value a lot that to come on a Wednesday or a Thursday after work. And there's a lot of life in everywhere in yeah. the city. So I can highly recommend it to anyone out there who's interested in visiting another region in Spain. Come to San Sebastián. Come to the Basque country. I know that you're also quite a world traveler. Your next trip is Uzbekistan. Yeah. So yeah, if yeah. people want to find you on social media, where can they find you? 
Uh, okay, I have an Instagram account that it's edumugi, E-D-U-M-U-G-I. So yeah, you can find me there. Mm-hmm. Perfect, perfect. So I'll, I'll leave a link to his Instagram in the in the show notes if anyone is interested in seeing how Edu travels around the world. He's also quite a pretty good photographer. So awesome. Thank you so much for joining me, telling okay. me about your home. And yeah, anyone who wants to come and visit, come and visit. Yeah, you're all invited. <laughs> Perfect. That was my interview with Edu. I really enjoyed my time in San Sebastian. For those of you who know me, you know that I can be very impulsive. So I started looking at rental prices to see how much it would cost to live there. I can highly recommend this city and region as a travel destination. Today's question comes from Olga. Hi, Josh. As always great and interesting postcards. And I'm always very excited to listen to a new episode. Thank you so much. Um, the episode Three Years in Paradise is my favorite episode so far. And I would like to ask you two questions about it. You were in um, Costa Rica in 2012, so 10 years ago. And my first question is, do you plan to visit this country again soon? And you say that the time you were there was um, three, three years in paradise. And my second question is, what is paradise for you? Thank you. Thanks for your message, Olga. I went back to Costa Rica in January of this year. It was my first time back in seven years. It was an incredible feeling to be back, to see the people, to see the beautiful beaches. Oh man, I fell in love with the country all over again. So how do I define paradise? The rainforests, beaches, wildlife in Costa Rica. They are some of the most beautiful you will find anywhere in the world. As I was walking through the different national parks, I found myself looking around and saying, oh, how can this place be real? It felt like I was in a dream. So paradise to me is natural beauty. If you enjoyed this episode, share my podcast with one of your friends on WhatsApp today. If you want to support the podcast, consider leaving a tip. That's it for this episode. Also, bis nächstes Mal.